Hello and welcome to One for the Books. I'm Jacinta. And I'm Emma. We're a book podcast for everyone, whether you love reading or your idea of a book is a glossy mag, we have recommendations to kickstart your book club. Equal part book club, ultimate reckless, and catch up with your friends. Hello. Hi. Um, um, I feel like you need to just intro this app because I feel like it's another dream just into <laughs> fame. <laughs> well, I didn't quite know what to say because it's pretty much... It's quite um, self-explanatory. Yeah, it's a wide open topic as well. So we pretty much task yeah. ourselves to talk about two books made up of essays or short stories that we loved. So I guess that could range from fiction, short stories or memoirs made up of essays and that kind of thing, which is, I guess, a genre of book I don't really think about that much that I'm reading. Yeah, How but about like you? Too, it felt too open-ended and I think <laughs> I got too bogged down in what yeah. counted as like short stories or like essay collections. That's actually I think I overthought it. And then panicked and struggled. Sometimes you need it to be super constrained where you can actually do your due diligence and find something that fits that. But when it's so open-ended, you're kind of left to your own devices. Yeah, like when it's a really niche theme, it feels intimidating, but it's actually then really straightforward because you're like, well, clearly it's these group of books. Like, that's it. But to be honest, I'm kind of excited for some curveballs from you, some wacky choices. Oh, yeah, we'll see. I feel like I've picked some... One, I think, is, like, predictable-ish, and one, it will be a bit random. Um, Well, mine is quite cliched, so I'm... Well, yeah, I'm desperate to know because you said they were cliché. Can you please just tell me what the first book is? Well, the first book is I Like to Watch, Arguing My Way Through the TV Revolution by Emily Nussbaum. So it's pretty much a book all about TV, which... Up your alley, I get it. Yeah, I feel like, I just, I don't know, I love like a cultural critique or something on music or television. Like I will honestly read anything about it, so... It sounds really interesting though. Emily Nussbaum is the New Yorker culture critic, television critic. She's actually probably one of the most prominent television critics right now. She actually won the Pulitzer Prize for cultural criticism. She also, yeah, I didn't know that because I like she is definitely one of the few American journalists, particularly like from a pop culture perspective, that I have heard of and am familiar with their work. Yeah, exactly. She's very on Twitter. You definitely hear from her a lot. So she's like, she's been around quite a bit. And this book is actually a collection, not really a collection of essays. It's actually a collection of her TV criticism. So it's her articles that she's written throughout her career. There's some new pieces in there, some essays about, I guess, the kind of criticism that she tries to, I guess, exemplify in her work. She talks a lot about how television has changed from when she started critiquing it and goes through prestige TV and all of that kind of thing, which is really fascinating. And I guess it's, it's a celebration of TV, I guess, in that way. I really like her writing, like, her articles anyway. I just think she has some really brilliant, like, smart, thoughtful, in-depth takes that always like have a cultural I guess it's always about the wider world which I really love reading about and I love when that's reflected in tv and the way people talk about she's got a good um cultural vibe check of like what's going on and she seems to always be that person that 
predicts or like somehow anticipates what's going to be popular or (laughs) what's going to be successful like one of those weird people where you're like do can you see into the future are you from the future like how do you know yeah yeah and quite a funny from the few like articles and stuff I've read of hers like I always find her very witty Yes, she's like such a smart co-writer in that respect because it's just a collection of criticism she's made. She kind of says from the beginning that it's not a reflection of her favourite TV shows but maybe the essays and the articles that kind of say something wider about society. So she tackles Mm. The Sopranos, House of Cards, Scandal, Girls, like all those prestige TV shows. But then she also tackles some of my favourites and like under-the-radar classics like High Maintenance and Adventure Time, The Americans I love, The Comeback. And then I still never watch The Americans. Oh my gosh. I, I mean know. it is so intense, but it's I'm obsessed with it. I love it. But then she she talks a lot about Kimmy Schmidt and how they tackle <gasps> trauma, which was really I love that that show is like yes. so good. And then she also has like this new essays where she tackles how to navigate disgraced heroes and the idea of what do we do with the art of terrible men like Woody Allen and oh Weinstein and Louis C.K. Yes. She wrote a lot about his TV show and how much he loved that and she grew up with Woody Allen's movies. So it's a really fascinating way because like it's true, like how do you separate the art from the awful man. The art from the artist. I feel like it's a yes. constant, you know, and it's also been a particularly relevant topic and question that we've discussed. Exactly. Culturally and socially, you know, post Me Too movement, it's been a thing that we've had to really reckon with because so many men in entertainment and pop oh. culture in general have been accused of awful, awful things. Exactly. And so it is, it's so conflicting and I've never really... I'm always interested to hear people's perspectives on the art versus the artist kind of a concept. Yeah, definitely. It's still something that I personally still struggle with. Same. I don't, I particularly with music, I really struggle with that. I don't know how to separate the music from the musician. Michael Jackson, like there's just so many examples. Yes. So I feel like that's something that comes up quite a bit and... She just tackles it in a really thoughtful way, admits up front, I guess, people that are important to her childhood and the way she grew up. And when these either movies or TV shows, like they shape who we are and what we consume and stuff. So it's like, it's such a complicated relationship. So that's a really like incredible, like beautiful and long essay. And it's actually a new one. He hasn't written that previously. So that was really cool to read as well. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I kind of loved reading a book like this it was just the best television criticism all rolled into one you could just like read like a list of who's who of the best television from like the past 10 years and even like shows that she panned are like interesting to read about and why and that kind of thing I feel like so interesting too that she kind of has a retrospective of like looking back of you know her Mm. own critiques and how that's changed over time potentially it sounds like that's what she touches on yeah well before every essay or article she actually does a little spiel about it because her opinions have changed in some of them and there's a lot more context I guess reading them back either 10 years later or a couple years later like girls I feel like people feel a lot differently about Lena Dunham (laughs) I feel like also just that 
show in general. Yes. I loved it. But now I feel like nothing could encapsulate like toxic white feminist vibes. I know. It's such a weird one because I remember enjoying it as well and thinking it was kind of groundbreaking. So it's really fascinating to look back of what I guess the temperature of what everyone thought at once was as well yeah I will say there's a couple essays towards the back of the book where she does like profiles on um like showrunners or creatives which I didn't find as I think it lost a bit of steam it's quite new even okay. though the people were quite interesting like she profiled Kenya Barris who does Blackish um yeah. that tv show and also yes. Genji Cohen who created Orange is the New Black and a massive one on Ryan Murphy but they were just so long and by the end of that I was like okay I get it (laughs) you're like whatever goodbye yeah I like more the cultural criticism and yeah placing your tv show in the world and what that meant and like all the early HBO stuff like Sex in the City she defends a lot which I loved she defends Vanderpump Rules which I really appreciate (laughs) which is the trashiest of the trash TV. Uh-oh. I will never stop watching. It's so addictive. Love so, that. yeah, it's interesting, I guess, the opinions that you agree with her on and the ones that you yeah. maybe not. Is She always has something smart to say about it. And I thought a really interesting thing she also said is that these reviews and the way she's put them together could almost read like a memoir or oh it's gosh. as close as you can get from someone like her, which I found really fascinating because I guess it does reveal a lot about the person. Yeah. But, yeah, I really, I really loved this book. If you like TV as much as I do and, I guess, in-depth takes, it's like a classic think piece on, like, every good television show of the past 10 years. That's pretty much what this book is. That sounds um, great. It's kind of right up my alley. It's called I Like to Watch, Arguing My Way Through the TV Revolution by Emily Nussbaum. Oh, what a perfect way to kick us off. Agreed, agreed. What is your first one? I feel like this is very predictable for me. Yeah. <laughs> my first book is Growing Up in Country Australia, edited by Rick Morton. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're talking <laughs> about this. Have you read it? I haven't, but I saw that they had a country edition in the Growing Up Australia series. And I was like, of course, (laughs) that's perfect for Emma. I know. I wonder what she thinks about this. Incredible. So predictable. So, yeah, it's the latest in Black Ink, um, which is an Australian imprint, um, in their sort of anthology series that's growing up in country. No, growing up in Australia. So there's heaps. There's like growing up Aboriginal in Australia, growing up African, growing up disabled, growing up queer. I think that's it. And then this one is the latest. I think it came out this year or end of last year. Um, What do you think? Because you have personal experience. (laughs) I know. And I will preface by saying I don't know whether I particularly – like whether there's a reason that I enjoyed it so much and whether that's because I could see so much of my own childhood sort of mirrored back at me. Oh, wow. And because there's so many similarities and connections between kids who grew up in the country, I think. Um, obviously there's diversity and variety but there's often like really similar kinds of life values or experience of freedom and like an openness that you probably just don't get when you grow up in an urban area oh, um, wow. that's a really 
like beautiful way to look at it. Yeah, so I do wonder whether I'm coming in with well obviously I am coming in with a chunk of bias. So this is possible other people wouldn't enjoy it. But I also think all of these anthology, like all of the growing up in Australia series, regardless of whether you have lived experience of what they're talking about, they're all great. Um, Agree. So you could really also good. pick up any of them and they apply to this episode really. Yeah. Um yeah, so it was just really nice. I think the thing I really loved about it is that it was a really refreshing kind of like modern look at country life, I feel like. Oh, Often okay. regional stories are looked at through the lens of like older Australians or some bygone era. Like it's rare for like younger people to talk about growing up regionally, particularly in sort of mainstream media um, or mainstream like consciousness like socially so that's actually a really good point because you do associate it I guess the country with a certain demographic which is not fair and is obviously not true I mean it's because most of us that grew up they leave (laughs) but so (laughs) like you know it's not inaccurate but also it just I think there is something to be said for the uniqueness of an upbringing and a childhood in country Australia. So yeah, I, I think one of my favourite things about these collections in general, like all it applies to all of the Growing Up in Australia series, is that they do such a good job of finding really diverse voices, people from so many different backgrounds, um, both sort of names you'd recognise, but equally there's a lot of um, just, you know, ordinary Australians who aren't famous will probably never be famous but have contributed their stories to the books um I do love that like having that real I guess variety of voices that diverse voices like they're not just people that I guess went into the into entertainment industry they're people who are still there yeah or in different eras kind of thing so yeah that's a really good way to do it I think it just I think that's what lends it like a a level of authenticity and realness that would Mm. probably otherwise be missing because it would feel tokenistic if it was just these famous names and voices um plus it's really nice because they they make sure they pick people from different backgrounds so there's like refugees that settled in country Australia and you know spent their childhood there it's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people so there's like therefore lots of different perspectives on what it can be like to live in rural areas so some of them are really positive some are less positive or talk about some of the harder or you know more um, difficult discriminatory kind of aspects to living in the country yeah so it was for me probably a bit of a nostalgia (laughs) trip as much as anything else and like oh my god I had the same experience um but also like insightful I guess if you've never or you've always wondered what it would be like to grow up in a regional area well yeah as uh not a city slicker but like (laughs) a a suburban kid what are like the hallmarks of that are quite different from growing up in the country than say growing up in the city were there any particular things that people harped on about I think it's often like some of the stereotypes and cliches you like know everyone everyone knows your yeah these are both good and bad points you know everyone everyone knows you but there's like a friendliness to that like you always say hello you wave like people are much more warm and friendly and open obviously I'm saying all of this being a white person I can't imagine what that experience could be like if you were a person of color that would have a lot of other implications but um different that's really beautiful and that is like a really specific experience I remember you blew my mind when you talked about the fact that every country town has like a really specific Asian restaurant or Chinese oh, yeah. restaurant. It's iconic. <laughs> there's a, like, I think I was talking about there's an ABC TV show 
that like it's a docu-series that's literally <laughs> dedicated brilliant. to going around to um, iconic Asian restaurants in different country towns. So they're like literally uh, like, like serve some of the best food. The community. But, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I, the Chinese restaurant in Renmark was the place that you would go for like a nice fancy, like it was a celebratory dinner. <laughs> um, I love it so much. And you mm. don't, that's probably my ignorance, but you don't necessarily expect it to be there so it's always like oh I love that someone has kind of settled their family there and set up this restaurant it's quite beautiful as well it's often immigrants are the backbone honestly of like most country towns and also it's wild I think that most of us probably don't picture a person of color when we think of regional areas even though they're often really really not all of them but a lot of them end up being very diverse because there's often like incentives and it's you know a cheaper cost of living for people if they're coming from um you know if they're immigrating and thinking about money and stuff like that's often cheaper to buy houses and you know sort of get established yeah Yeah. so it's often like Renmark you know it's got a lot of problems but was a very diverse town um to grow up in exactly and I feel like I would gain so much from reading a book like this to actually get a real insight into what it was like instead of my like stereotypes that I associate with growing up in the country which is not always necessarily (laughs) fair some of them are probably like super true (laughs) sometimes stereotypes exist for a reason you know and I feel like with country life yeah a lot of them probably hold up I want to get on this so I can expand my knowledge of the country. Your regional stereotypes. Yeah, from like all I'm watching is Farmer Wants a Wife and that's about the extent of my knowledge. I love that you're like – I think I actually needed education. Also, like I just – my favourite is if you ever tell people you're from the country, they're like, so you grew up on a farm? And you're like, lol. There are so many other parts of country living than just like living on a fucking farm. Anyway, that's Growing Up in Country Australia, edited by Rick Morton for my my first Oh, my gosh, I love this. Yeah. And Thank it's you. the other reason I love the book, you can dip in and out, which I always think is a perk, particularly when it comes to essay yes. collections and stuff. That's actually one of the best things about books like this is that you can kind of take your time with it and read a bit here and there. That's actually such a good point, And it's something we should have mentioned in the intro. Yeah, I didn't think about this it until like just then. The main, yeah, it's like the main benefit of reading an essay collection yeah. or an anthology. Like you say, it's that ability you don't. Like, you're not going to lose your place. You can pick it up whenever you can if you have, like, a spare minute. It's actually – that's actually such a good point. Yeah. Um, what is your second book? Um, I think I've mentioned this book before, but I don't think Ooh. I've talked about it. It's called I, – I can never say this word. In intima- <laughs> Intimations. <laughs> there it is. Intimations. Six oh, Essays okay. by Zadie yeah. Smith. I feel like I have definitely Ooh. talked about my love of Zadie Smith before. And I guess – You've definitely spoken to your yeah. guests. You've mentioned Zadie Smith, but not this one, I No, don't this is a quite a relatively new book. And I feel like calling oh. her maybe our best contemporary writer or our voice of a generation can be cliched at this point. <laughs> but <laughs> I, not inaccurate. I know, though. I really do love her. And as like 
as much praise as she gets, I will read anything she puts out. I feel like you've got your staple authors, like Eleanor Ferrante, totally. Joan Didion, Zadie Smith, yeah. like anything that they've ever produced, you're like on board. Yeah, there's some solid ones I know. I'm just going to enjoy, <laughs> like it's safe. Well, this essay collection, because she actually has written a lot of books of short stories and books of essays, both fiction and non-fiction. Mm. But this one stood out for me, I think, because... Of when it came out. So it actually, she wrote it in the first couple of months of the pandemic during lockdown. Ooh. And so it's kind of, I guess, considered a COVID book. So I read it, I think it came out literally in the middle of 2020. So I read it pretty quickly after it came out and it was perfect. Like it was only six essays. It was super short because I guess our attention spans had gotten a lot shorter at that time as well. And it was just like a really beautiful rumination on that time and how crazy it was, not just with COVID, but what was happening in the world. And she brought her trademark intimacy and tenderness about everyday life, but with like really sharp, like a sharp wit and those really sharp, smart observations, which I really loved. And I guess, it, yeah, it just kind of stuck with me because it's, they're just a bunch of essays trying to... I guess makes sense of the world and where we were at at that point so it had a really um big impact on me I really I really loved it yeah what a special time for it to come out as well and for a writer who has so much emotional intelligence Mm. um but ability to articulate like really complicated experiences in a really relatable way like what a perfect time and topic for her to tackle yes that's such a good point because it is so I love a book that's of its time that you can it's like a real snapshot of like a couple months in whether that's history or really recently and I guess this I think there will be a lot of books that are written about this time but the fact that she actually wrote it during it and it came out really quickly it really is like a snapshot and I think because of that, we were all, well, I guess she was, she wrote it in New York and between London and New York. So she had some really intense lockdowns. So I think there was almost like a, like a profoundness to them all because you are stuck and you are contemplating all these life things. And yeah, it was, it was quite beautiful. And I just love her recounting her experiences. So yeah, but I guess there's kind of a heart that runs through all of them. And I just, I would listen to her about, I would listen to a whole book about her sitting at a bus stop, honestly. Like I just love the way (laughs) she works. She writes very beautifully. Yeah, and she does kind of write about those kind of simple minutia stuff that we sometimes talk about, like walking her dog or talking with a masseuse or grabbing a coffee and like her routine and like coming across someone she might recognize on the street like I love that kind of stuff and when it's written by someone who's so talented and can bring like yeah. a humanity and like a compassion towards it I just think it's brilliant so yeah oh, this sounds like such a beautiful book to have read at that time as well when you know 2020 was tough like it was so new to be going through the pandemic and lockdowns felt weird still even though now they're kind of normal but like so nice to have almost like this comforting voice this familiar voice to hold you through it and make it feel a little bit better that's exactly what it was it was like all these thoughts and feelings that you will have but she just wrote them out so eloquently and it's like oh that's exactly what I was feeling and thinking she put it so 
brilliantly and it was like yeah it was really I guess life life affirming in that way as well so yeah I really appreciate Zadie Smith and I'm so glad she's still writing and I like I said I will I will read anything she puts (laughs) out even if it's like a tiny six essay book it's really short as well like I think that's what appealed to me as well I was like okay I will devour this in like a day it was it was pretty easy in that respect as well um I feel like particularly for that time when we probably had very reduced um brain capacity yes so it was perfect even better that it was short yeah and I think this is sorry I'm borrowing it as we speak yes and I think (laughs) because you were saying that you sometimes find her not as accessible I think this is probably one of her most accessible books because it's about something we all experienced it's about like the day-to-day minutia Mm. of everyday life there's a really brilliant essay at the end that is just you have to read it to understand it but it's just it's just a really smart way to say thank you and be grateful and that kind of thing so oh I can't wait yeah it's like light affirming I feel like and like a good um reset almost of thinking about things in a different way or yeah yeah She's like the voice I, I wish feel like I it's had a good head. <laughs> like if you could swap your like own asshole in a monologue for Zadie exactly. Smith. Yeah, I know. If I could in be that heartbeat. eloquent, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's what yeah. this uh, this book felt like for me. <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> so yeah, oh I'd God. be interested to see how you think it stacks up to her other books. Yes, and whether I think differently because I've never read any of her non aside from like. Um, you know, like op-eds or long-form articles that she's written. Yes. I've never read anything non-fiction by her. I've only tried Ooh, her fiction okay. work. So I wonder and if that could be a bit of a difference. Do it. Okay. Um, and tell me what you think. I'm very excited okay. to hear. I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what's your so last good. one? Is this the curveball? I would say it's a curveball because I feel like it's not well known in Australia, maybe because it's um very american kind of book um okay you i feel like maybe you've heard of it i don't know anyway it's very similar to the first book you recommended so it's called a little devil in america notes in praise of black performance by hanif abdurakib oh i think i have heard of this but i have definitely have not there's a couple of different covers but i feel like he's won a bunch of awards as a writer in general and then also this book has been like i think it was on new york times from last year like it's been on lots of lists of like amazing oh, wow. books it's beautifully written what did you think of it how was it I loved yeah. it um as I t- seem to be doing permanently at the moment I listened to this as an audiobook oh, love it. um and I really love I don't think it was the author from memory but it was like whoever it was beautiful voice and really lent something lyrical to the already beautiful writing like it captured it in a really great way yes makes a Um, difference but do you ever read books where you feel like the author's intellect like jumps off the page and it's just immediately obvious yeah this is one of those books where you're like intimidating yes (laughs) it like you can't help but have a comparison mentality even though that's like not the point of the exercise, but like you can't help feel like I've never felt dumber than reading this book. And like, how do people's brains <laughs> come up with these beautiful combinations of words? Oh my god, like, exactly it's phenomenal! But it's like not in an unapproachable way because sometimes those books I find they're so beyond almost my reach intellectually that I struggle to 
understand them because I know that there's too many layers I'm completely missing. Um, This didn't feel like that. It felt weirdly approachable but also insanely intellectual. Um, Best of both worlds. That's kind of perfect. Yeah. So the book um, basically talks to the importance politically, socially, personally, of various black performers and artists throughout history, particularly modern kind of contemporary um, history. How far back does it go? Um, I would say like since civil rights movement predominantly, but there's references to like 19th century and early 20th century moments. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but very much a look at like pop cultural performances, but in so many different ways. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so interested t- in this book. It's really fascinating. So the title of the book is inspired by the words, I was a devil in other countries and I was a little devil in America too by Josephine Baker at the 1963 March on Washington. <gasps> and such a classic um, performer as well. Iconic. Yes. Right? And I love, one of the things I really loved is that there wasn't like an elitism to who he picked as performers so there were people that you were familiar with but there were also lots of people that um you know you might never have heard of I loved one of my favorite chapters was on Mary Clayton um who was one of the like she was a contributing singer to the Rolling Stones Give Me Shelter song <gasps> yes and she's she the voice like, on it yes yeah which is the best but part of part, that song exactly and he 100%. talks about how that song wouldn't be that song without her contribution oh no and, way but it's that's like so haunting oh my god that's I'm so I know that up. wow but it's like 27 seconds worth of a performance so like it's really short when you look at it from a time perspective but he kind of looks at it from so many different angles of like the impact and how powerful she was. And he goes into her backstory as well. Like it's not just her working with the Rolling Stones. It's like her as a performer. Also, how many movies and TV shows has that song been used? Oh, like like everywhere. How incredible. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So it's this really great analysis in, but in a really lovely way of um, how black performance is so inextricably woven into the like fabric of American culture, particularly in the last few decades. Yes, love this. Um, yeah, and he kind of expertly weaves through, and this is where it reminded me of your Emily Nussbaum book recommendation because Abdurakib kind of expertly weaves through his own personal layers of love, grief and performance. Like that memoir element comes oh, in. Oh, interesting, yeah. And it's got these, like he almost references the performance and how they impacted him as a black man in America and the importance of these performers for him personally, but also like that social landscape. Yeah, so um, it kind of is like each of the... All, yeah, the construct yeah, of it is similar. all cultural critiques, I guess, because it's looking at yes. these people in like a wider context of the world. Totally. Oh, this is right up my alley. Oh my gosh. I know. So it becomes like part memoir, part meditation on the impact and talent of black performances. Um, but it's just so richly and beautifully written... And it actually reminded me of um, Questlove's yes. book that you recommended that I then went and listened to as an audiobook and loved. Oh, so that you liked felt, it. I loved oh, that. So and glad. it was a very – that was a straight-up, like, interesting way of structuring a memoir so to me because it was yes. all through the lens of, like, his experiences, how he came to discover them, whereas this feels like more exclusively a meditation and a focus on 
black performers and performances with elements of memoir mixed in. Right. Um, yeah. And it's just, oh, it's so good. I really, really, really loved it. And it was really great as an audiobook if that feels more approachable I'm for you. I'm going on to Libby right now. <laughs> it's so good. I think I just borrowed it randomly because I was on Libby and I was looking for an audiobook because I'd run out, which is very unlikely. <laughs> um, and it was available to borrow immediately. Like I just filtered by like available now oh, or whatever. Perfect. Um, and I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. So borrowed it and then loved the it. The black cover yeah. has definitely been on like a good couple of lists about incredible mm-hmm. nonfiction. Definitely. In the past like couple years. But I've never like actually, yeah. you've convinced me to actually borrow it and listen to it. <laughs> audiobook yeah so each chapter focuses on a different performer slash performance oh my god I'm Um, in love and just some that like I'd never heard of some that are like iconic and everyone probably knows about yeah so I kind of loved the balance again of like you know it's not just the iconic ones it's the ones that particularly as a white person not growing up in America I've potentially just never been exposed to and, like, to be written um, by someone who clearly loves these people yeah. and these, like, moments in history and has had an impact is such a brilliant way to, I guess, anchor that cultural criticism when it has some heart yes. and when it has some personal stories. That's always exactly. my favourite. I think it totally. makes such a difference. So this is kind of the ideal way to structure it, I think. Yeah, and someone with lived experience as a black mm. man who can then speak to the impact of growing up as a black man in America and what those performances mean yes. to him as an individual or to communities, you know, black communities around America. It, yeah, it's and I just feel like a really beautiful way of looking at different communities and um, blackness with joy and positivity Uh, so it's not like because often like when we discuss people of color or black people or queer people or whatever it is often through the lens of discrimination or like experiences and trauma so it's actually really nice to flip it and be like this is I mean there's obviously still some of those elements that are inevitably and inextricably woven Mm. through you know you can't change slavery um but it feels like it a celebration feels joyful yeah exactly that's what it seems like yes. the way you're describing it that's exactly oh, it. Wow. Yeah, it's a celebration yeah so that's a little devil in america notes in praise of black performance by hanif abdurakib that's so part true. memoir part pop culture critique yeah mushed together and it's yeah. true like a lot of those books are divided into essays and it does make it so yes. much more palatable. Yeah, and w- and it makes you – and also it keeps it exciting because I feel like if you get bored easily, these are also great books because every chapter is a little bit different or focusing on a different person or topic or whatever. Yeah, it feels new. It's not like you're reading the same yeah, kind of – it's free-ish. That's actually such a good point. Yes, that's why we should mm. read more short essay books. Yes, I'm totally. It. It's actually completely changed my kind of outlook of it. What is your non-book rec? I have been house-sitting slash dog-sitting, so I've actually been watching a lot more terrestrial television than I usually do, and that's been quite different for me. I've, like, seen a a lot more commercials than I want to, but also I spotted an incredible great TV show that I'm now obsessed with. Um, It's called Ghosts. I caught... It's a British sitcom. 
This and sounds familiar. I feel like someone recommended this to me recently. <gasps> it's really, really good. It's on ABC iView. It's got um Lolly Adafope in it. <gasps> Fuck, get out. I love her. <laughs> yes, That's what you need and to she's say. really funny in it. Yeah. It's really, it's got some, it's like a classic British sitcom. So it's basically. Oh my God. And the main character is from another British show that I love. Anyway, sorry. I got distracted looking at that. I found this just so funny. I caught a bit of it on TV and I've pretty much watched it all on iView. It's basically an ensemble sitcom where a couple inherit historical old country house in the UK from yeah. like some distant relative, some distant aunt. So they basically move in and want to turn it into like a hotel or an Airbnb. But the catch is that Charlotte Ritchie, her character, can actually see all the ghosts that died. Oh, that's in, awful and great. <laughs> that, <laughs> I know. That died on this, I guess, this in this area. And she's kind of haunted by them and... And yeah, it's just ridiculous every episode. So Lolly Adafope is like a Georgian noblewoman oh, who yes. is like overly zealous. There's like <laughs> um, a classic like 90s disgraced MP um, who died in a sex scandal. <laughs> <laughs> there's like some old there's like a um a caveman who has a very funny episode where he discovers the um moon landing which they all are <laughs> obsessed with it's like there's some really great characters and it's really funny oh and every God, now so and then good. there'll be an episode that like focuses on one character and their backstory and how they died there but yeah just watch watch her it's it's really great it's all free on iview it's my new favorite tv show <laughs> oh okay gonna watch it that sounds like a good mental reprieve from life oh yes it's actually such good escapism TV. Yes. it's perfect for that here for it yeah so everybody watch ghosts on abc iview I love the TV shows you recommend, like almost always. I don't think I've ever disliked a show you've recommended. <laughs> I think you'll appreciate this one. It's top notch. It's really good. Love How about this. you? What have you been consuming? Um, also a TV show, wreck. Um, Incredible. Love may it. have binge watched this almost entirely in one night and went to bed very late and hated myself the next day. <laughs> Um, Story of my life. <laughs> uh, it's the new <laughs> Heartbreak High TV show reboot on Netflix. Oh, have you watched it? Being really good. I haven't, but we were talking about watching it. I was kind of obsessed it, with this. Um, it's only like <laughs> six or eight episodes, um, but it was. I really loved that it was a teen show set in Australia that wasn't terrible. Because often Australian TV Actually, shows are crap. Yes. Um, this one was or great. Like soapy, like neighbors yes. in a way. Whereas this felt like if Sex Education and Skins had a baby in Australia, it would be the show. Which is like honestly, Heartbreak High back in the day was also that vibe. Um, oh my god, that's big praise. That's yeah, incredible. Like it's kind of ridiculous, like the shit that they get up to and their outfits are like obviously way more expensive than you would anticipate <laughs> yeah. and like it's supposed to be this shit public school in like inner city sydney but there's like some really wealthy kids that go there so you know there's a little there's a few parts of the plot where you're like this doesn't add up but that's true of like <laughs> so many tv shows these days yeah um, i'd go f- i'd go for that <clears throat> over like um aesthetics like that's yeah I appreciate that they're dedicated to the aesthetics of it yeah and it's just um it's just fun it's great it's fun 
Like, there's just, like, truly Australian things. Like, there's an essay. Like, shit that you just wouldn't get in other shows that are set in other countries. Oh, my God. How um, funny. Like, the language, like, the the words that they use and the things that they say to each other. Anyway, it's great. I really, really loved it. So, also good escapist TV. Well, all the ads and all, like, the posters looked, like, really cool. Yeah, and I loved... <clears throat> Look, people probably say they tried too hard, but I actually think they did a really good job of diversity without it feeling too in your face or like tokenistic. It just felt very natural. Yes, um, love that. And representative of modern Australia. So <clears throat> that was really, really nice that it was like, you know, a non white, like it was a woman of colour as the lead. Especially yeah. like Gen <clears throat> Z. They're so much more oh, open about that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like also Australian TV is fucking notoriously whitewashed. So oh. it was just really refreshing to be like, this is the Australia that we see every day in real life. So this is really nice that it's reflected back to us in pop culture. Oh, good one. Okay. Um. Well, happy reading, everyone. Enjoy dipping in and out of some fun quirky kind of essay collections i think that's the key for this it's like yes. the ability to dip in and out yeah and there's no pressure to do bored. like cover to cover immediately it's like no every chapter is going to give you something different anyway so so true yeah. yes. give yourself permission to put it down Slow and down. read something else for a little bit and pick it up and you won't feel like anything that's kind of yes. the ideal way to read these kinds of books I mean, I say that and I like completely binge read everything. So yeah, you are but, a kind of a cover to cover before you oh, can start another book. I'm the ultimate like oh, yeah. book slot kind of will read five <laughs> at love, once. Yes, you I are love it. dedicated. I am very monogamous in my <laughs> yeah. book reading habits. Yeah. Although, I'm a bit of a floozy. Yeah. <laughs> I will say since getting into audiobooks, I'm happy to have an audiobook and a hard copy book on the go at once. That's <gasps> okay. acceptable in my brain for some reason. Love this. You're branching. Yeah out a bit i'm so I know. Into you've changed me in so many ways for the better and i really, really appreciate it, it. <laughs> yes yeah oh my gosh well, i'm so um, pumped for these recommendations i've literally yes. i i need to borrow that growing up country in australia as well yes i just borrowed it from the library as well i'm um, so excited so cool. yeah all right well happy reading everybody happy reading um yeah enjoy these books of essays or short stories yes i mean how can you not when you have these brilliant recommendations by yours truly exactly yeah <laughs> consider yourself lucky exactly <laughs> <laughs>